Hello, and thanks for tuning in to our Monday Night Godcast, an immersive and interactive discussion of the Bible. If you're listening to this right now, then I know for a fact that God has something for you. That's right, you. I'm glad you're here. Let's dive into God's Word and see what He has in store for us today. So, I have a few uh, interesting state laws to share with you guys. You guys ready for this? These are all 100% true. I am not making these up. In Alabama, it is illegal to impersonate a priest. In Arkansas, you cannot walk your cow after 1 p.m. on Sunday. In Colorado, you cannot purchase a car on Sundays. In Connecticut, a pickle must bounce in order to be sold. If it doesn't bounce, it's an illegal pickle, and you will be fined. You can be fined. Delaware, there's no whispering in church, or within 300 feet of church, any church. Georgia, Jackie, ready for this? Georgia, any llama-related activities are at your own risk. If you get injured from any llama-related activity, it's on you. Hawaii, Zach, you ready? You can't put a coin in your ear for like magic tricks. You can't. It's illegal. Thankfully, it's never in there. Kentucky, you cannot have reptiles in church. Louisiana, you can't steal another person's crawfish. Also in Louisiana, it's illegal to send a surprise pizza. Take it up with Louisiana. As a gift, as a surprise, you don't want to order it for yourself, like to your own address. You can't send it to somebody else. That's a surprise. You can look these up if you don't believe me. I have one more that was coming. I have one more that I'll show later, um, but that's what I have for now. Can I show it to you? Go for it. Okay. So in downtown Baltimore, it is illegal to throw hay from a two-story building. Um, and in Nevada, it's illegal to kiss, kiss a man with a mustache. Yeah, I saw that one. I think I've heard that one. What? Who's kiss, who's the kiss? <laughs> so you're just not allowed to do a mustache? It's illegal to kiss a man with a mustache in Nevada. Oh, uh, babe, I can't kiss you. I think he's got a beard. I don't know if it's if it's a solo mustache. I don't know. I have to look at. There was statue. there was something I saw about mustache and kissing in one of the states. Very weird. Yeah, I agree. Those mustache people can't be kissing people. All right, so um, we've been going through John for a little while now, um, about fifteen or so weeks, um, and there are seven I am statements in John, and today we'll see the the seventh one. We've seen Jesus say, I am the bread of life. I am the light of the world. I am the door to the sheep. I am the good shepherd. I am the resurrection and the life. Last week, I am the way, the truth, and the life. And this week, I am the true vine. So we're going to be on that today. In John 15, um, Jesus being the true vine. So it's a pretty short chapter. Um, I think there's a lot here. I think a lot of it is stuff that we've we've heard often, but probably haven't chewed on too much before. Haven't really like really zoomed in on it. 
John 15. Um, in the Old Testament, we, we see that the vine is a, a familiar symbol for Israel. Um, you can see Isaiah 5, 7, Psalm 80, verses 8 through 9, Jeremiah 2, 21. The vine is very well known that the vine is a symbol for Israel. So, um, Jesus is saying, I am the true vine. And so we'll read into that, and then we'll, we'll go into depth from there. Uh, and we want to start reading, uh, let's go, somebody want to take 1 through 8? Okay. Go for it. And then somebody want to take 9 through 17? Sure. Go for it. As the Father has loved me, so have I loved you. Abide in my love. If you keep my commandments, you will abide in my love, just as I have kept my Father's commandments, and abide in his love. These things I have spoken to you, that my joy may be in you, and that your joy may be full. This is my commandment that you love one another as I have loved you. Greater love has no one than this, that someone lay down his life for his friends. You are my friends if you do what I command you. No longer do I call you servants, for the servant does not know what his master is doing, but I have called you friends, for all that I have heard from my father I have made known to you. You did not choose me, but I chose you and appointed you that you should go and bear fruit, and that fruit should and that fruit should abide, so that whatever you ask the Father in my name, he may give it to you. These things I command you, so that you will love one another. Awesome. Alright, I'm just gonna open up observations, comments, questions. What do you guys see going on here so far? Or if anything sticks out to you. Anybody? All right, cool. Well, here's what I saw. Let's start at the beginning. I am the true grapevine, and my father is the gardener. Verse 2 mentions two different types of fruit. Sorry, two different types of branches. What are those two types? Yeah, those that bear fruit and those that don't bear fruit. He cuts off the branch that doesn't produce fruit, and he prunes the ones that do bear fruit. 
a few weeks ago we kind of talked a little bit about pruning um does anybody recall the purpose of pruning what it does why you do it how you do it anything about it cut off the dead stuff so the live stuff can work exactly yep cut off the stuff that isn't producing fruit and it will just cut it off right there there's not gonna be a waste of nutrients it will go to the stuff that is producing fruit so what does that mean? Jesus is saying that the Father will cut off every branch of mine that doesn't produce fruit, and he prunes the and prunes the branches that do bear fruit, so they'll produce even more. What's this in reference to? What is that in reference to? The branches? Yeah. He's what are the branches that are being cut? Uh, relationships. Relationships. Yeah. I think using pruning and trimming interchangeably. That's confusing. <laughs> I think it's How the heart. Hmm? The heart. The heart? So yeah, so he does mention both things. He mentions cutting off branches that don't produce fruit, and he mentions pruning things that do bear fruit so they can produce more. The general question is, what is this in relation to? What does that mean? I think we're the branches, and then... The ones of us that do not bear fruit will be cut off. I think it's pretty clear. So you're okay. saying we are the branches? Yes. And then when we place it on the tree, we're just like... <laughs> <laughs> well, Jesus starts by saying that he's... I am the true vine. He's saying, I am the true grapevine, and the Father is the gardener. So if Jesus is the grapevine, and God is the gardener, one of the branches. Us. Us. So the ones that don't produce fruit are the ones being cut. What does that mean? They don't They don't <laughs> abide in the Father, right? That's what he details later, right? Uh, you are my friends if you do what I command you. Uh, no longer do I call you servants, right? You're not external from the, the plant. You are part of the plant. So like you're, you're in on the, on the plan. Um, but you have to do what is commanded, which is be fruitful, not in multiplying different different contexts. Although, <clears throat> anyhow, moving on. My note says that those who become unproductive, those who turn back from following Christ after making a superficial commitment, will be separated from the vine. Unproductive followers are as good as dead and will be cut off and tossed aside. Yeah, I like it. What was that part about those who... Have made plain. a superficial commitment. Yeah, have made a superficial commitment. It says branches that don't bear fruit are cut off at the trunk not only because they are worthless, but also because they often infect the rest of the tree. People who don't bear fruit for God or who try to block the efforts of God's followers will be cut off from his life-giving power. Mm. That's good. Yeah, because what's the point of planting an apple tree if you're not going to get apples from it? Shade. <laughs> Okay. So it's it's basically its only purpose that it can serve is that it can block the sun from you a little bit. I think when you cut it down, you can make stuff out of the wood. For a gardener whose living is based off the fruit that it can produce, what is the point of an apple tree if it can't produce fruit? Specifically for a produce market 
For a McCabe, what is the point of rotted tree wood? Mulch. Yeah. It's not useless. So it's useless. It's useless. Yeah. You throw it back in the dirt. Jesus says it in verse 6 to answer your question, McCabe. To answer my question. Anyone who does not remain in me is thrown away like a useless branch and withers. Such branches are gathered into a pile to be burned. Yes, they can be burned. That's about all it's good for, burning. So, has anybody ever walked by an apple tree or any fruit tree and heard it groan? Going, you walk by an apple tree and you hear it go... Apple, 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 be an apple, be an apple, grow fruit, apple. No. It I just doesn't not, happen. I can't say it. it just doesn't happen. Because fruit doesn't have to consciously think about who it's becoming. All the fruit has to do to be fruit is just stay connected to the vine and the branch, and it'll be fruit. I think it's the same way. It shouldn't be our mentality that we that we have to produce fruit like what can I do today to produce fruit? Let me try to do this to produce fruit. All you have to do is stay connected. Jesus said it. Remain in me and I will remain in you. Verse 5 says, Those who remain in me and I in them could possibly produce much fruit. Right? Nope. That's not what it says. No. It says, I am the vine, you are the branches. It says, Those who remain in me and I in them will produce much fruit. Don't say they might, not they can, they could, they should, they will produce fruit. Those who remain in me and I in them will produce much fruit. So if you're not producing much fruit, I'm going to reverse engineer the sentence, they're not remaining in him. I don't think that's debatable. I think those are Jesus' exact words. For apart from me, you can do nothing. My note says, many people try to be good, honest people who do what's right, but Jesus says the only way to live a truly good life is to stay close to him like a branch attached to the vine. Mm -hmm. Apart from Christ, our efforts are unfruitful. Are you receiving the nourishment and life offered by Christ the vine? If not, you're missing a special gift he has for you. That's good. So if you're not producing fruit, that's because you're not abiding in him. You're not with him. So what is this fruit? What is what is this fruit that Jesus is talking about? The goods. The goods? What are the goods? I don't know. <laughs> this fruit is not... Oh, I'm sorry. No, continue talking. I've talked too much. This fruit is not limited to soul winning in this chapter. Answer, prayer, joy, and love are mentioned this fruit. And then it references the chapter in Galatians with the different fruits. Mm -hmm. And Second Peter as well describes additional fruit qualities of Christian character. Yeah. Galatians 5 talks about the fruit of the Spirit. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Those are, you know, there are other fruits too, you know. Generosity, helping, you know, <laughs> kindness, charity. There's other fruit that can be produced, but those, those I think, pretty much sum it all up in Galatians. So if you're not producing that stuff naturally, if you have to think about it, of like, all right, 
I got to produce some fruit today because I haven't been very fruitful. I haven't been able to get fruit. You know, let me try to be, you know, love. All right, let me try to be loving today. Let me try to be, all right, love, joy. Let me try to have joy today. Like, you know, it's good. Sometimes it's good. We got to remind ourselves of that. But if that's the only way that you're producing, you're just an apple going apple, 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 apple. It's not going to produce apple. Apple is produced from just being remaining, remaining on the branch. I have a visual today. Thank you. Thank you. Not gonna lie, I feel awesome right now. That was really good. That was a very good demonstration. Got my laptop before it fell. Yep. Oh, just like God catches us before he. Why you bring I have two different branches here. What, what, what can you tell about these things? What's the difference and similarities about them? Bottom one's dead. Bottom one's been dead longer. How long has this thing been dead? If you had a guess. Probably less than a week. Even though it looks like it's been dead for a month. And I probably should have answered This thing has been dead for... I cut it on Friday, right around this time. Friday, Saturday, Sunday. Three days. This thing has been dead for three days. This thing, believe it or not, did have fruit on it. It had same amount of fruit. This yeah, one, this one, I just caught. I just cut about 15, 20 minutes ago, right before we started worshiping. This one bears fruit. This one did bear fruit. This one was cut from the branch, and now it doesn't produce fruit, and it will not produce fruit anymore, and it's dead. The only thing it's good for is going into the fire. This one, now I cut it. So it's not going to produce any more fruit. But visually, let's just say it's still connected, right? It's still connected to the true vine. It's still connected to Jesus. It's still connected here, right? It's going to continue producing fruit. It's going to continue, um, you know, having this fruit for other people. Um, and then another property of fruit is fruit is seed bearing. So with each fruit becomes more potential for more trees of the same to, to be grown. What is that? What is that? What uh, some type of apple. Where you I, found that? In my backyard. In the corner. Where you English learn? <laughs> What'd you say? I said, where you English learn? Because she said, where you found that? <laughs> Sorry. So. You don't have to look at, you don't have to think about, okay, if a tree, I see this tree over here that has oranges on it. I wonder if that's an orange tree or if that's a pear tree. And if you see a, a tree that has apples on it, you don't have to question, is that an apple tree or is that an orange tree? No, the apple trees are the ones that grow apples and the orange trees are the one that grows oranges. And it should be the same of us. Where if we're the ones bearing fruit and we're connected to the true vine, we're connected to God, we're connected to Jesus, we should be producing more of him. Someone shouldn't look at us and go, you're a Christian? I didn't know you were a Christian. What? Like, that shouldn't be a surprise. It should be as evident as a branch with an apple. You don't question, you're an apple tree? I didn't know you were an apple tree. 
I didn't even know you produced your I thought maybe you were an orange tree, just didn't blossom yet, but I had no idea. No, it should be apparent. The purpose of a branch is to bear fruit. <laughs> Any other thoughts, comments, questions so far here? In this specific section about the vine or in 9 through 17? Either part, 1 through 17, what we read so far. I like um, in verse 11 where he says, I have told you these things so that you will be filled with my joy. Yes, your joy will overflow. And I like how he uses in the first part, my joy, and then it switches. Yes, your joy will overflow. Almost equating God's joy with our joy. So... Hmm. He has told us these things as in, I have loved you, even as the Father has loved me, remain in my love. He talks about obedience, and it's all for the purpose of increasing our joy, which is equal to supernatural joy, God's joy. And not just like to fill your line or fill your cup or whatever it is, but to overflow it. So it's in abundance of joy. So mm. I I really like that, the way that it's like, it's not only like, yes, you'll be filled with my joy, but my joy becomes your joy overflowing. I like that. Um, yeah. That brings me to my, uh, my last state law to bring up to you guys. In California... If fruit has fallen fallen from the tree into your yard or public space, you can take it. Anything else is stealing. The official rule is hanging over the property line onto the street, sidewalk, or your property. It's okay to pick it and take it. But you cannot reach over someone else's property line to take the fruit. I think that's very similar here. This overflowing joy that Jesus is talking about. That these things... with. I've told you these things that you will be filled with my joy. Yes, your joy will be over, your joy will overflow. We should be in a place where we should be like this California state law about the fruit. We should just be, our branches should just be hanging out. Our branches should just have so much fruit because we've been connected. We, we're growing so much fruit. We should just be for the picking, for the reaching of everybody so that it's just readily available for other people to benefit from this fruit. We shouldn't be stingy and like holding into ourselves that this is my fruit. No, you don't need all that. That's not, it's not for you. But we should be so connected that we have this overflowing joy. We have this overflowing abundance of fruit that can benefit other people. It should benefit other people because that's what the gospel is. It's not for yourself. It's not just wow, I got this awesome thing. Let me just hold on to it and not share it with anybody. No, it's to be shared. You look like you had a thought. Anytime people talk about trees and fruit, I think of the Kung Fu Panda Master Who Boy scene. So that's my, my brain's just been reeling that back for the past, I don't know, 10 minutes or so. Actually, sounded really asked. No, no. I'm not sorry. Like, it's great. It's a great scene. Like, can learn a lot from it. What about verse 12? Does verse 12 sound familiar? 
Yes. Why? Because uh, I think he said it before. He said yeah. it again. Yeah. After in chapter 2. Mm -hmm. He yeah. said it in 12 and 17. He also said it in chapter 13. Mm -hmm. He was saying, um, and at that point we were looking at, uh, that's in John 13, 34. We, so we looked at this about um, two Bible studies ago. He said, now I'm giving you a new commandment. Love each other. Just as I have loved you, you should love each other. And the new command wasn't loving because that was an old commandment to love your neighbor as yourself. He's saying, look, I'm not just saying love your neighbor as yourself because you can only love yourself so much. He's like, I'm saying love people like I, Jesus, have loved you, which is a whole other kind of love than loving yourself. And here he is saying it again in, in 15 now, in chapter 15, verse 12. This is my command, love each other in the same way I've loved you. There's no greater joy than to lay down one's life for one's friend. So I'm wondering, I know we talked, like people had brought about, up about how like all the chapter numbers and the way that it's broken up, was this was not its original intent mm -hmm. or whatever. But I find it interesting that we read 1 through 7 or 8. And then after, right after that is this 9 through 17, this collection about love. I'm wondering what, what the purpose of, or if the purpose of having the first eight verses, which arguably is of a harsher undertone in, in terms of language of, being cut off, burned up, those kinds of things. Um, and then to follow that with, I have loved you even as the Father has loved me, remain in my love, makes me think that a portion of what it means to remain in Him is an acceptance of, like a full acceptance of this love that He offers us. And then what undercuts love is obedience right this is my commandment love each other in the same way when you obey my commandments you remain in my love so to remain in God to remain in his love is to obey him which leads us to producing fruit sorry we just heard all of my fucking no no that's fine but I think that's interesting to go from that kind of very stark reality of producing fruit and cutting off everything that doesn't please God, right? Cutting off those branches to this overwhelming comfort and joy that he offers because he loved us first and he, and that's how, like, he chose us. So that should move us to remaining in him, if that makes sense. Yeah, that's very for interesting. Sure. Like it's a little bit of a depressed, like a depressing start, yeah. and it's like, well, what am I supposed to do? Right. You know, and it's like, well, you do this. So yeah. It kind of follows it up. Yeah. Mm. But that is interesting. Yeah. It's a bit of a stick it, stick then carrot situation kind of thing of like, hey, here's all the bad things that happen if you don't do what you should do, and then uh, here are the rewards that you get if you do. Yeah. So he he compares. Compares us in two different ways, not compares us, but he's saying in uh, verse 14, you are my friends if you do what I command. I'm no longer calling you slaves because a master doesn't confide in his slaves. Now you're my friends. 
because I've told you everything the Father told me. What does that do for you? What, what, is that, what does that mean? What is he saying here? Like, calling us from, you know, like, you're no longer a slave. Now I call you a friend. He's just showing us that, like, Jesus really was the bridging the gap between our relationship with God prior to him. You know, like, it's, we are more so drawn into the fold instead of having that, like, above us. Hierarchical. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. He's saying the master doesn't tell his slaves what he's doing. He just does it. And he, he just tells the slaves, go do this. Go love someone because I'm your master and you're my slave. Go love someone. He's saying that's, that's not it. And also, that wouldn't be the command from a master. It would be go do this. Go work the field. Go do that. But he's saying I'm not calling you slaves. I'm calling you a friend. And if you're my friend, you'll, you'll do what I command. And I'm telling you the plan. I'm telling you what the Father told me because we're friends. And I'm telling you that this is what the Father told me, so I'm telling you now. Verse 16 is really interesting. You didn't choose me. I chose you. I think a lot of time, I, I, I've heard some people debate it, not a lot, but I have heard people say like, oh, like if, if God predestines everything, if things are predestined, then doesn't that mean that God chose some people to, to go to heaven and chose some to go to hell? He chose some to, um, to believe in him and some to not? Well, those who are going to heaven, he chose. And those that he didn't, he also chose. But they didn't choose him back. You chose me. Sorry, you didn't choose me. I chose you. What I'm hearing God say is, Ben didn't choose God. God chose Ben. Jackie didn't choose God. God chose Jackie. McCabe didn't choose God. God chose McCabe. Jocelyn didn't choose God. God chose J Jocelyn. <laughs> <laughs> Hannah didn't choose God. God chose Hannah. Kayla didn't choose God. God chose Kayla. Yana didn't choose God. God chose Yana. Elizabeth didn't choose God. God chose Elizabeth. Zach didn't choose God. God chose Zach. I think that changes things. To know that God... God of the universe chose me. He chose me. He chose us. He chose each one of us. Chose us to chose us for what? To bear fruit. To bear fruit. To be his. To be his. I chose you. I appointed you to go and produce lasting fruit. So that the Father will give you whatever you ask for using my name. This is my command. Love each other. Never heard this last week also. About asking things in, in the Father's name. And whatever you ask, you'll receive. Right? And this isn't, a, this isn't a genie. This isn't a magic wish. This isn't a say the right word. 
Um, oh, in Jesus' name, I, I pray for the winning lottery ticket and, and a new Ferrari to come into my driveway today and for a promotion tomorrow and for this to happen and this to happen. Oh, in, in Jesus' name. Yeah, abracadabra. There, I almost forgot magic words. That's not what he's saying. He's not saying just say my name and it will happen. He's saying if you say it, whatever you ask for using my name, as though Jesus were the one saying it. So if Jesus, if you don't think Jesus would say, oh, I hope that a new, I get a brand new car tomorrow at no expense to me, and I get this tomorrow, and I get this, I benefit from this, and all these great things happen to me in Jesus' name. Is Jesus the one saying that, or, is, or are you saying that? Should you be ending your prayers and, Lord, let this happen in, in my name, let this happen in Ben's name, amen. Or is Jesus saying this? Is this something that Jesus would be saying in Jesus' name? Did Jesus just say that, or did Ben just say that? Yeah, I, I really like the what you said last week to it. I started to think about it more in like a, if, if, you're, if you were to send me to the store to pick up something with your card, and you were like, hey, go buy me two packs of oranges, please. And I'm like, okay, cool, I'll go buy two packs of oranges. And I try to buy a Samsung TV. And that gets like that. That one's gonna get flagged as fraudulent, whereas the two packs of oranges are authorized purchases <laughs> in your name. That's, that, did I say that? No, you didn't. But oh, okay. I started thinking about it. Well, because like you said it really well last week as well. But um, I started to think about it like that. Yeah. No, that's like, that's a great analogy. You know, his command is love each other. It's like a prepaid debit card, right? A prepaid credit card, whatever. It's like, here you go. You can use my name and it will be given to you if you ask for it in my name. So it's like, I'm authorizing you. Here you go. Here's a credit card. I'm authorizing you to, to go love people. It's like, great. Well, Lord, help me to, to love this person. Lord, I, I pray for this person to be healed. Lord, I pray for this, salva this person's salvation that they get to know you. Yes, approved. That is something that I am asking for you to go do because that is loving each other. Well, Lord, I also ask that um, that I get a brand new that my broken watch is becomes fixed because it's not working anymore. I don't want to go buy a new one. Eh, eh. It might be it might be approved. Maybe he'll maybe he'll slip you one there. And it's not saying Jesus will only give you the no. He he's our friend. He wants to do these things because he loves us. He doesn't just want to be like don't have any fun. Don't ask for anything that isn't directly one hundred percent in my will. You can ask for anything. He says, don't worry about anything. Pray about everything. Yeah. I truly believe, believe he means everything. I pray for parking spots to open up when I'm late. I'll admit it. Many times. I still do. <laughs> because he says, pray, ask for anything in my name. Ask. You don't have because you don't ask. But he's saying, this is my command. Love each other. Love each other the same way I have loved you. I Sorry, yeah, go ahead. That reminds me of the verse too that says, um, "The Lord will direct the steps of the godly. He delights in every detail of their lives." And so, just like what you're asking about, like parking spot, if you're whatever it mm -hmm. is, or something as trivial or as minimal as the universe, right? But for us, it's like really big in that moment. Like He delights in coming through in those small ways, just to let you know that, like, hey, I'm here, or like I'm, I am listening. Just as much as those big things about salvation mm -hmm. and healing and all that stuff. So, just, yeah. 
Perfect. Yeah. All right. I want to jump it back a little bit. Um, just kind of overall right now. What is, what is something that in this time the Jews believed about their salvation based off of who they were? They required sacrifice. Required sacrifice. What did, what did some people maybe believe that because of who they are and where they, where they were raised and how they were raised, what that meant for them? Yeah. And they're they're kind of you know maybe a little bit on their high horse like oh we're Jews we kind of get automatic salvation we're we're descendants of Abraham you know we we're already saved we're holy you know and and Jesus is saying this he's saying I am the true vine because how I started this off was saying that the vine was a very familiar symbol of Israel. Israel is this vine. There are all these branches coming off of Israel. And they're kind of believing, you know, we're, we're Israelites. We're Jews. We're saved. We're good because of who we are. Because of, because of our descendants, we're good. And Jesus is kind of putting that in contrast, saying, look, I'm the true vine. you got to be rooted in me, not in Israel, if you want to bear fruit and be connected to God. He's saying it's not just good enough to be born into it. And it's not just good enough to be born to this land, born into this heritage, born into these roots. you got to be rooted in me. I am the true vine. Don't just let your connection to Israel, to this big vine, be your salvation. Be connected to me. I think that was kind of a big takeaway I took from this. That was something I hadn't realized before and kind of thought, you know, looked over of, of, you know, the vine. Alright, let's move on. Somebody want to read 18 to the end? 27? Sure. Go for it. World's hatred, it's a fun part to read. If the world hates you, remember that it hated me first. The world would love you as one of its own if you belonged to it, but you are no longer part of the world. I chose you to come out of the world, so it hates you. Do you remember what I told you? A slave is not greater than the master. Since they persecuted me, naturally they will persecute you. And if they had listened to me, they would listen to you. They will do all this to you because of me, for they have rejected the one who sent me. They would not be guilty if I had not come and spoken to them, but now they have no excuse for their sin. Anyone who hates me also hates my father. If I hadn't done such miraculous signs among them that no one else could do, they would not be guilty. But as it is, they have seen everything I did, yet they still hate me and my father. This fulfills what is written in their scriptures. They, hate, they hated me without cause. But I will send you the advocate, the spirit of truth. He will come to you from the Father and will testify all about me. And you must also testify about me because you have been with me from the beginning of my ministry. Awesome. Thoughts, comments, observations here? If the world loves you, 
How about yeah. that? If you fit in, you're in the wrong spot. Yeah. yeah. Not something you usually do of, of joining something so you can be excluded. Usually you, you join a club, you join whatever to be included in something. Right? You know, you, whatever, club or it might be. You join it so that you can be part of it. Imagine joining a club where, yeah, sign me up for this. You know, here's my signature, whatever. Cool. Everyone else will hate you. You want to join? Welcome. You're going to be hated. Cool. I'll take a platinum membership. Kind of weekly meetings on how to continue to be hated. <laughs> Did you ever thought? Oh, yeah, I wasn't sure if you were stretching or raising a hand. And this is right after he's just telling us to love each other, telling us that you know we need to stay connected to him. Like, stay connected to me. Stay connected to me, guys. Don't forget to love each other. Stay connected to me. Oh yeah, because you're connected to me, you're going to be hated by everybody. But don't worry, they hated me first, for no reason. So they're going to hate you too. Very up and down, Jeff. <laughs> <laughs> A little bit of an emotional roller coaster. But there's a lot of encouragement here too. What can you take out of this that's encouraging or that, that can help bring you back up instead of just knowing that you're going to be hated. Does anybody want to be hated? I don't think anybody signs up intentionally for the benefit of being hated. But he's saying that this is an outcome of it. You will be hated. I just liked how it like, keeps it so real. They persecuted me naturally. They'll persecute me. Mm -hmm. Like it's not. There's no wiggle room or doubt about that. Like, yeah. yeah. I mean, it's not great, but the fact that he tells you what to expect mm -hmm. uh, yeah. is good. Almost kind of reminds me of like you know how. Like high school in a way, you know. I was about to say. You, you think about like the, the the movie Mean Girls or something, right? You got the popular people, and then you got the very unpopular people, right? You, if you are associated with the popular people, you're gonna be popular. You're gonna be loved, liked, looked up at in a way that the popular people are loved, liked, and looked up at. If you associate yourself with, you know, the rejects, the whatever, you know you're going to get rejected too because you're hanging out with the rejects. Yeah. But imagine this whole, I mean, this whole world is upside down from what God's kingdom is. Our world is upside down. We're usually, you strive to be up here with these people because people like them. But God's like, no, come be with me. You're going to be hated. Come follow me. You're, people will hate you. Have you ever been hated by somebody because you're friends with somebody else? Like there's somebody or a group of somebodies that are just like, oh, I can't stand that guy because he hangs out with that Ben <laughs> character. He hangs out with that Zach character. 
Or have you ever done that? Like, I've definitely done it more than once. I've been like, oh, I can't stand this person because they did that thing. And they're, like, best friends. So they're probably, like, two peas in a pod over there. Nope. Pass. I think I've probably been on both sides of it at some point. Yeah, that's what I figured, too. I figured I'd probably drag a lot of friends with me on, the, on, the, on that side. <laughs> Not what I was saying. <laughs> no, I, I'm just saying. <laughs> no, I think I think high school and and even life is associated with that a lot. You know, sometimes it's at work and it's are you hanging out with those coworkers? Why do you hang out with them? It's like, oh no, I, I don't really hang out. Like they they just come over and talk to me, and you know, like I don't really, I'm not with them. Like they're they're just always trying to talk to me, trying to like ask me something, and you know, trying to get things made a little easier and. You know, Jesus talked about, um, and it was just, uh, I think, two chapters ago, maybe two or three chapters ago, talking about uh, Peter is going to deny him. He's like, no, I won't deny you. Just by association. People in the crowd were like, hey, you, you were with Jesus, weren't you? No, 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 no. They're like, hey, we don't like you because you're associated with him. He's like, uh-uh, I'm not associated with him. Three times he did that. Nobody signs up for it to go, yeah, I'm associated with, hate me. That's crazy too. We have it so easy. We have it so easy here that we can do this and I can just blast on social media and just tell people, hey, we're having a Bible study at my place. And in other parts of the world, this is like, you got to do this underground on like, the downest of lows of all the like down lows of like, damn, we're gonna we're gonna read a book tonight. If you wanna come join read a book, yeah, we're gonna we're gonna read a book and talk about that guy. Okay, cool. And but we have the freedom to be hated. We have the freedom to be hated by the world. And we can do it publicly. We have the freedom to say Jesus. To be like, I follow Jesus! And we're not going to get shot. Oh, well, we might get shot. Depending on where you're at. <laughs> not my point. But, you know, if you do that in Baltimore at 3 a.m., you know, no promises either way. But we can do that and have the freedom of knowing that we're safe. People are going to look differently at us, but, but he's just straight up telling us, you're going to be hated. And he's told us other places, look, you're going to have troubles in this world. Guarantee it. But take heart. I've overcome the world. I've been there already. Well, I think living in this country in particular has made us quite soft when it comes to this idea of like, mm-hmm. being hated. Hundred like, percent. We, we don't. We are disconnected from it. I mean, the most you might get, at least in general, it might be some hateful social media postings if you choose to say anything mm-hmm. on social media too in the first place about whatever topic or put you know, something out there for that. But even, like, reposting Christian posts or whatever it is, like, the comments you get are largely positive in nature. There's no one really on there to poke at you or give you lip or something like that. So this, I like, I think that makes it much harder for us as believers in this country to be able to take it seriously, 18 through 26, of, like, you're going to be hated. I'm like, okay, but I haven't really... Am I doing something wrong? Because I haven't really 
That's interesting. And then to hate you for good things. Like Jesus talks about the mirac the miraculous signs that he did and he was hated for those. So like healings and you hear, you know, testimonies of addictions breaking free and everything. Largely, again, from the sliver of like you that you see on social media, it's all like, oh my gosh, that's amazing. Celebrate. This is awesome. This is wonderful and that's like one side of it and then you might have comments that are like that's fake or this is that or whatever mm -hmm. and that'd be considered hatred but it's like how do we qualitatively or quantify what this hatred is supposed to look like it's hatred for jesus ended in crucifixion like you don't see crucifixions in the united states of america but what does that translate to in 2022 I don't know, I think that's very interesting to think about. Yeah, and he, he was hated for nothing. He wasn't hated because he was going around being like, you stupid person, you're doing it all wrong. You're supposed to be doing it like this. And you know, if you do that, you're going to be hated for a different reason. That's not, you know, that's not like, oh Lord, I've been persecuted in this world because people hated me, you know. I deserve a higher place. And I was like, no, you were being a jerk and you were, you were not loving people. That was my one command. Love people. So you can be on your high horse and being like, just walk around being all snobby and being like, oh, you believe this? Well, Jesus says this. You're going to hell. That's not loving people. That might all be the truth, but that's not loving people. And Jesus, he didn't do those things. Everything he did was in love. Everything he said was in love. Everything he expressed was in love. His miracles, his teachings, everything was in love. And that's the difference. And it's not just a matter of, oh, great, um, people hate me today. Yeah, I'm doing it right. It's like, why are you being hated right now? Are you being hated solely because you're telling the truth in love or because you're being a jerk and you're doing it wrong? If, if you're just walking up to people, going outside of an abortion clinic and telling people, hey, you're all going to hell because of this. You shouldn't believe this. You shouldn't be doing that. You're gonna sure you'll be hated. Anybody who do who does that will be hated, Christian or non-Christian. But if you're going up and saying, "Hey, can I pray with you? Hey, do you know do you know about the love of Jesus? Can I help you? Do you need can can I can I help you find you know talk to with an adoption agency? You know, doing these things out of love, and they say, "Get away from me." I think we followed his command of loving each other, and there's a, there's a big difference of being hated because you were loving, and because you're a Jesus follower because of what you do and being hated because you're a jerk. Any final thoughts? Anything so far in uh, chapter 15? Um, just two things. Um, uh, verse 18 is the to answer your question from earlier about um, anything comforting from this section. It's nice that, you know, Jesus was hated first and I wasn't the first one to yeah. be hated. <laughs> Um, and you know it's like thanks for you know taking that place for me um, so I didn't have to go through that humiliation and go through all the stuff we know Jesus went through um, yeah so that's that's great and he loved us so much and we can just always remember that like you know we, we always um gain something from from following him um, and remembering these things um, and then from the other section it just makes me so mad that like 
it says, so that the Father will give you whatever you ask for using my name. And then I start to think, like, okay, there's stuff that I've prayed in mm. his name. And generally, sometimes, not generally, but I'd say most of the time, generally, uh, for years and years and years, it's like, why hasn't he done this yet? Mm. Um, you know? It's like, am I praying wrong? Or is the person that I'm praying for, are they just not opening up their hearts? And then Jesus is like, well, look, I'm just going to give you peace. I'm going to guide you so that you can respond differently whenever they do these things to you. So I'm going to work with you. But with them, I have to like wait a little bit until yeah. they change or they decide to, I don't know, um, open up their hearts to you know, do X, Y, Z so that things can change but then it's like that waiting game you know yeah it's like lord i'm i'm doing it all i'm not trying to do it to just like gain these things but it's like i'm asking man (laughs) (laughs) that's a hard one especially when you know you know that you're praying for things that god would be that that jesus would ask for you know you're praying for someone's salvation you're praying for someone to get to know him which is the ultimate thing to pray for the ultimate goal you know, for people to be saved. And when you're praying that, and you're praying it genuinely, and you're still loving on the person, and it hasn't been answered in the way you want it to be answered yet, or in the way God would want it to be answered yet, there's no, unfortunately, no just equation of do this, pray this, yeah. and do that to the person, and they'll be saved. It's, you know, each person's choice, and that sucks. And it sucks when when you when you're praying for like genuine things in Jesus' name, and it's like Jesus. If Jesus were here, he would want this, and he doesn't want this right now, mm-hmm. and it doesn't happen. Um, but that's also just part of trusting him, believing in him that he's got it all in control, um, and that even if it doesn't go the way that we want it to, that he's still good and he's still God. Mm-hmm. Who was it? Was it? I'm thinking. Joshua or someone someone can correct me I'm, I have a train of thought that's not complete the of moon and the sun, hmm? the moon and the sun no oh. of it, it was just something along uh, like and even if this then God is still good I think I need you to be a little bit more specific yeah that's that's all I got that's all I got on top of that <laughs> Oh, yeah, yeah. Shadrach, Meshach, Mendel, he could save us from the fire, but even if he doesn't, we'll still believe him. Yeah. That might be what I'm going for. Yeah. I think that's what it is. Thanks. Half awake and you still got that. But nobody else. But yeah, yeah, those verses that talk about asking, you'll receive, seeking, you will find, knocking, the door will be open to you. Or the keep on asking, the keep on knocking. Yeah. I feel like yeah. big time. Yeah, it's, well, I don't know. I remember ever, every time like things like this come up, I just flash back to when I was a little kid and I was at like my grandparents' Bible study or whatever. And I'm younger than everybody by 50 years or more. <laughs> And I'm just like sitting there with a bunch of old people, just big chilling. And the, all these old people are talking about how they've been praying for their son to be saved for the past 40 plus years or whatever. Mm-hmm. And you're like, and they're like, but he's going to do it. He's going to do it. And like, she's man. Like, I just can't even imagine that. Like the gravity of that is so much greater than anything I've ever prayed for. Yeah. 
and their their focus and their trust. So so great. Good. Yeah. And sometimes like yeah, I go I go through my ups and downs of like, you know, do some fasting here or I'm genuinely doing it. Not again, not to gain anything, but like going through and, you know, reading the Bible every day at work or, you know, like taking time and stuff and it's like nothing changes. <laughs> And the world just keeps getting worse. Yeah. <laughs> it's so, like, unmotivating. <laughs> and then it's, like, one of those things. Like, I told Jack, I'm like, look, for the month of June, I'm going to take a break because I can't, <laughs> can't do this. But, yeah. But then you read this again. It's like, God just smacks you in the face. He's like, hey, man, I'm still God. You know, I can still do things, but you need to be that vine that keeps being attached to me. <laughs> you can't just cut some of yourself off of me. You gotta stay, stick with me. Mm. It's like, okay, got it. Mm. I feel on that. I think about that sometimes and then I think about like, um, like Will versus Wade being overturned. Like that, like coming through in a year that I'm like, could things could not be going worse mm. in regards to yeah. everything. Um, That's literally, the government and sexuality and like literally all these things and then something like that happens and it's like like reminds like what amazing things is he doing in the background that we have no idea and we don't think about because like that didn't yeah. happen by accident that nothing in our culture would have ever pointed to that being a thing mm -hmm. but there was something doing what he was doing that we were not aware of even though we were praying for that all of us were praying completely hopelessly let's be honest very mm -hmm. few people I feel like were really praying with a belief that in 2022 something like that would have changed and yet it did and then at church the other day they were talking about um like when we ask there's the verse about like um God is a good father being that with a human father if your son asks for bread will you give him a stone if he asks for a fish will you give him a snake and the the like kind of idea that he was presenting was like the perspective of God is so much greater than ours like you may think that what you're asking for is a, you know is bread you may think you're asking for bread or for food or for something good but whether it be the thing that you're asking for or the timing of it it may be that in your perspective it looks good and then he's actually withholding something because there's something else going on that makes it not be good whether it be the thing that you're asking for or the timing of when you're asking for it it's like god is not a withholding father like he doesn't do that but he knows better than to give us something that will hurt us in the end or give us something in the timing that we can't handle and it's like ugh, i hate that because <laughs> i think what i'm asking for is great <laughs> and i don't get it and i'm sad but there's like something else to it that's like okay if i did not receive what could be Or ask him what I should be asking for, but I should have asked because there's something going on. But yeah, I feel you with the okay, we just need to take a break. <laughs> it's sad. Yeah. Yeah. That was a lot of it, it definitely feels overwhelming at times where you're just like, Oh, this world sucks. Like, what's the point? What difference can I make? I can't make a difference. This world is just on a huge downward hill spiral and you just get hopeless. It's very easy to get that way, to think that way and to, you know, be like is God in control? But he is. And, you know, 
God even says that, you know, devil is the God of this world. He, you know, he's not the overall person in control. God is in control of everything, but it's a fallen world and it's, things aren't in his will, right? Things aren't going as they were supposed to. Um, I don't know, have a lot of other thoughts about that. Um, but anyway, uh, I, want, I want to say one other random thing. Uh, my my um, pastor at my church yesterday was sharing about um, going against the crowd. And he gave a really good analogy that I really enjoyed about, you know, what it's like to be a Christian. And it's going against the crowd. And he said, imagine, you know, a football stadium packed, 70,000, 80,000 people, you know, on average, 80,000 people. The game is over. Everyone leaves now. You know, it was it was a really close game. Nobody left early. It was it went into overtime. Everyone's staying. No one left early. They're all like, I gotta see what happens. You know, someone wins, and now everyone's leaving. Eighty thousand people leaving the stadium gates. Imagine trying to go back inside the stadium now. It is very difficult. Just getting pushed, bumped ran over maybe and you know let alone imagine if it was on fire and 80,000 people are like fleeing this is just 80,000 people walking out but imagine going against the crowd of 80,000 people being the one it'd almost just be easier to just stand still put in no effort just keep your legs up and you'll go with the crowd no effort but to put in the effort and to go against the crowd, go against the world, to be hated. People might hate you because you're going against them. Like, what are you doing? Stupid. You're going the wrong direction. Don't you see? You're supposed to go that way. Everyone's going this way. You're the only idiot going that way. Nope. This is the way to go. I just thought it was a good analogy. That's a great analogy. Yeah. Cool. Good stuff, guys. Um, I enjoyed it. I think it's I think it's cool to um, to zoom in on these passages and to look at funny state laws. I'll close this out and then we'll split for a little bit. God, we thank you for who you are. We thank you for your word. Thank you for letting us be able to be connected to you, for being so generous to to help us to bear fruit to be able to be connected to you so that we can bear your fruit fruit of the spirit god help us to to not moan and groan and go apple 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 but to just be remaining in you and to bear fruit because we are connected to you and that is what will naturally happen when we're connected to the true vine i pray that for each one of us here and also for those that couldn't make it today that we can just be and we can just remain and just abide in you. To abide in your word, to abide in who you are, to stay connected. And in our own lives to prune areas that need to be pruned so that other areas can be more fruitful. And if there are people that need to be cut out from our lives so that we can be more fruitful to, to help us discern that. Lord, help us to just stay connected to you and to help others stay connected to you and for those who are dead branches to help us be able to get them rooted in you and we don't pray to be hated but we know that it's an outcome of loving you and following you 
So if and when we're hated, well, it is what it is. And we know what we're getting ourselves signed up for. But help us to endure, help us to stay encouraged that you were hated first and that it's okay. It's okay to be hated by the world because we're following you. To not lose heart, not lose hope. We pray all these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Hey, thanks for listening. It's always a good time when God's presence is with us. I hope you enjoyed it and that you tune in again for the next episode of the Monday Night Godcast.